0: Welcome to the Charbuk Podcast. This is your host, Kushal Mehra. So today's guest is Vivek Rajagopal. As you guys know him as Reality Check India, I'll give you a brief history of how Vivek and I interacted on Twitter. So I'm reading the DMs. February 19th, 2017, I messaged Vivek. Yeah, hey, I follow your work on Twitter. Would you like to discuss your work in a long form podcast? He said, I like it. Then I was like, I think it's time for people to hear your voice. You don't even have to disclose yourself. I remember telling Vivek this very specifically. (laughs) You don't have to disclose yourself. You can just come in an audio form if you want to. And then finally, Vivek reached out to me a few days ago. And he's like, okay, bud, time to take up to your offer. Now I'm (laughs) going to come. So after... After six years, Vivek agreed to come on my podcast. My first offer to Vivek was in two, six years. But Vivek, thank you for finally
1: coming and welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me, uh, Kushal. It's a a pleasure. So like you said, I've been uh, uh, tracking your podcast for a while. And uh, thanks for this platform. I think you've uh, enabled a lot of voices to uh, come online that would have otherwise not have had a platform. So yeah, thanks for that. So yeah, finally we are here <laughs> yeah finally finally and look I have always see
0: agree or disagree is never been a criteria for me when I ran this podcast uh, uh, like I disagree with my father on many things I disagree with my mother on so many <laughs> things but when I designed uh, this podcast I designed it with only one idea it should be a platform where heterodoxy is, exper- is, is showcased and and I think in the last uh, I started in uh, you know six and a half seven years ago i think i've carved out a niche for myself and uh, i think yes. i'm proud of that and i i stick to my heterodox nature i always push boundaries i always talk about uh, discussions but you know this is your first time so how did this journey
1: start for you on social media maybe we'll start there yeah thanks yeah so uh essentially i've uh i have i was uh observing political events closely uh, around 2006, maybe 2000. Before that, I was just like totally apolitical, (laughs) just enjoying life and stuff like that. So I was... uh, So 2006, uh, when UPA won, I started following... I was a little bit interested in what was going on in India because I had recently moved back to India to start my uh, business. So I was sort of like... I wanted a pulse of what was going on in India compared to United States where I was living before. So... uh, uh yeah i know i know i started recording these things my thoughts on on my blog reality check india so mostly they had to do with some uh uh, strange uh things that i thought were not being properly debated uh in particular the uh issues around the uh, reservation and uh issue which was big in 2006 and um there was then i was was also interested in these scams like you know like how the 2g uh, things like that the commonwealth so all these issues that that kept coming up, I was just recording my thoughts. I, I used to watch TV because at that time, you know, uh, TV, Barkadat, and you know, Rajdeep, they were the primary, uh, and uh, it helped that the blogosphere at that time, you know, the blogosphere was rather uh, very uh, very good. So we had a lot of bloggers uh, from all from all different uh, sections, uh, from all viewpoints who would write long form thoughtful pieces, and I was one of them, and. Um, the comment section, right, of different blogs, that used to be like really a good place for you could find some nuance and debate. So uh, I, I still remember some of my uh, blogs. They you, you know the the comments would be like 250 or 300 comments, and likewise on the other side, you know. So their their comments would you know also see these. So my blog had the opposite views on in my comments, and theirs had my views. So I used to comment and also blog. So, uh, and I have, I have many friends today on Twitter who are from that era, uh, from the blogging era. So I, they're generally more uh, deeper and more thoughtful because that's, that was how the discourse was conducted back in the day. So I, I was enjoying it. It's not, it was not really bothering me that much. So I, I used to work uh, on my business, uh, which is a tech, so it's a tech company. So uh and my free time watch TV and then record things, just do a tour of the other, other bloggers and, you know, comment on their blogs and things like that. So it was, it was fun. Uh, yeah, was, then I got particularly interested in the, you know, the education part. So I, I found some things were very, yeah. So, yeah, so the, then, it, uh, you know, they, uh, I got interested in the right to education act, particularly that was in UPA too, uh, because I thought it was, uh, it was really, uh, I think it was really, uh, they went too far with it. And it was not being discussed properly i still remember uh, the right to education act essentially what it does let me let me just give you an, uh, a nutshell so it nationalizes or centralizes the entire education policy in one in one act all right so there's no room for any experimentation or in no room for any uh deviation so it's a mother of all laws centralized laws and secondly it basically nationalized the schools like in the sense that they couldn't really select the students you know even the unaided schools they had some they you know they had to go through like a lottery or they, they couldn't really select so the selection wasn't there uh, third it, it it had a inbuilt a sectarian uh, uh, bias which means that the minorities uh, religions and linguistics right so they they were just completely exempt even if they were aided so that that's that was you know there's not built into the act but it was like you know they could just get an easy uh, facial. Uh, I mean, they could get an easy uh, extension. I mean, exemption. More like a second-order
0: effect of the same, right?
1: Right. So it was the 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 what they had was a constitutional amendment, which was enabling the act. All right. So the constitutional amendment had the exception built in, but the act did not. So what what happens is when that goes to court, uh, they just get out on a on a facial challenge, which means a, a basic challenge. Look, look, the enabling amendment does not apply to us. So how can the law apply to us? So that is that was the state of affairs, and I found this was not at all being discussed. I still remember uh, Barkha that I think if, um, I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but she was interviewing Sybil, and the, they started with, "Now, Mr. Sybil, the biggest question on everyone's mind about right to education act is, where are you going to find the teachers?" <laughs> no, that is not the biggest question. So I had I found that these journalists, you know, they were not they, they were sort of trying to divert something. So I went and I went deeper and looked at the act, and uh, I just I just you know started writing uh, about that, and I sort of became a crusader for on that for a long for a long time. So that was my main thing for for a few years actually. It's not just the uh, exemption, but the total centralization and the removal of all autonomy of the school uh, management division and uh, you know, there's no experimentation, uh, combined with other aspects of this pedagogy, like for example, the CCE, right? Uh, which is now, uh, you know you can have it as, uh, uh, it was a comprehensive continuous evaluation. So there was like a social element introduced to various uh, classes uh, in, in the classroom, in the text itself. So I wrote a blog uh, article on that, uh, like Jitin had his Tiffin. So they would introduce like things like, social uh, aspects in uh, maths, right um, and science uh, and science. So these were, these were just like not social. And then you had to have like uh, emotional learning, emotional and social education. So there were things like this that was really strange. And later now, after uh, listening to some of the Western uh, commentators, I found that this is a, uh, this is actually ex- imported from a Marxist uh, pedagogy. Uh, uh, Paulo Freire, a Brazilian uh, uh, Marxist, so these were his ideas. Actually, the the classroom itself is a place for social uh, education, right? So, uh, so all so that was the main thing. So now I now I am clearer that I was actually right, but it, I did not know enough. I did not read enough to actually make the connection that you know people like James Lindsay are making so easily because they are they are like uh, they have really looked into it much more in detail. But I still had the right instinct. So I spotted that this was something that's wrong, but I couldn't really place it to the you know the right uh, place, uh, which is Apollo a Freire's um, a model uh, the, uh, the critical pedagogy. So uh, in retrospect, that was my journey. Uh, then I was really, uh, then I thought about other things like uh, the Sabarimala issue. So I've written on almost all issues. So uh, most of my uh, blogs were well-received. And uh, uh, so based on all these churn, I, I just came up with an idea, right? So let's, uh, I wanted like uh, four or five things to be addressed at a very fundamental level. So that would put an end to all this noise, right? And then we can focus on the economy and everything else. So so my main thing is, uh, there is something odd about India, right? Compared to other countries. So we are supposedly a democracy, right? And we have people like, you know, Sundar Pechai and Nadella and Vivek Ramaswamy and all these guys. So how is it that you know, they are not able to do anything in India? And why is it that uh, we are a democracy where everyone's talking? How is it that, you know, they have to go? Why is it, why are we, why are we Indians making a beeline for the West? So that was, that's something that's quite odd. Now, now I've uh, I found that there's something like we're not really settled as a nation. So, so we are not able to predict and plan the future because we don't know what the foundations are a little shaky so that's when i came up with the core right so it was just four of just five, six okay six fixes that you need to make a fundamental level that we all agree on and then find, and then we settle there and then after that we can work on all these economics economy right left right uh leftists and rightist type economics so i call that the core right agenda so uh, so maybe we can talk about that next so that was my journey until that point now uh, the darkest part of my journey was i Came back, so I'm actually Tamil, Tamilian, a Tamil. Uh, I'm pretty good in the Tamil language also. So uh, somewhere along the line, recently I, st- I started observing some very, very. it's I always knew it was there, but the intensity of some of the uh, anti, the the hateful messages and the seeming power of those messages, right? I so I I have two things here. One is the intensity and the wildness of the messages that are being con- conveyed, and the apparent power. Those messages had, in uh, you know, changing the attitudes of the people and hence their their patterns of political choice. Okay, so these things start. Then it pulled me into the uh, Tamil uh, world. So that was my journey in the last three years, and that was this. That is by far the most difficult journey I've ever uh, I've ever undertaken. So we'll talk about that. So essentially, right now as I stand, so I had to come out, uh, and I wanted to come out because of. Uh, with all this darkness, and it was really affecting me. Uh, second, uh, the, the 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 one of the Dravidian handles, so they managed to dox They managed to dox me, which is quite surprising because I was very careful. So uh, it, the person, more, most likely, I hope not, but they, that could be an inside source or something like that. So that so that, that pressure, I never felt uh, that pressure, and the, uh, then I was commenting on pan India matters. Like I I've really gone hard on many things maybe very uh not, not abusively but very persistently right okay, on laws like right to education or uh, you know the sabri mala issue or whatever the national issues were never once never once was i pressured or uh hated or they tried to do- track me or try to silence me right but here it's uh <laughs> they are on a crusade to somehow, uh, you know, silence the voices. So you have a lot of arrests, and uh, they they try to. Uh, so that was qu- that was quite odd because uh, that's the free speech part of our discussion today. So uh, in short, my my journey has been like this: uh, started off on a, uh, you know, uh, bas- basically commenting on national issues, watching TV, and recording my thoughts. I was basically a blogosphere uh, personality. Uh, then got into various other issues. Then the core right agenda, and finally. Uh, I'm now in the Tamar sphere, which is a, a completely different plane. So, uh, yeah, that's my journey till now and I uh, hope to uh, you know, continue to exercise my free speech and uh, talk about uh, all issues, including uh, the Dravidian uh, Tamar issues. So, uh, thanks. So, that was my uh, <laughs>
0: journey. One of the things you later added to your core right uh, agenda was the issue of free speech, right? If Or, or have I misunderstood
1: no, free speech is actually a uh, an orthogonal uh, thing to the core right agenda. Core right agenda uh, is some uh, basic issues. I will so, um, and I think it's still valid. So uh, it has to be done. I don't say I don't see any work around to not doing the core right agenda, which uh, we had a. So uh, I think a few years back, I think Satyapal Malik, I think he was. So there we had some sympathizers in the inside the BJP who were who saw some. Uh, Merit, uh, but it sort of died down. But let me let me just record this. There exists no work around. You must do the core right agenda, in in that order. So let me just explain what it is. Mm-hmm. So first is uh, institutional freedom. So particularly educational institution freedom. So that's the core one. So that is the foundation of all other uh, things. All right. So which means that all communities, because India is a multi, uh, it's not like one community, right? It's different communities having different uh, skills and uh, aspirations. So uh, the, that allows all communities to set up their own educational institutions with a subject to you know the basic, basic check. I mean, they can't teach like uh, anti-India stuff and stuff. So, uh, so subject to some basic uh, syllabus, quality checks, all communities must be able to do, establish and run educational institutions on par. So there must be no up and down. So, and there must be no government uh, coercion if you're not getting government funds, things like that. So, or you, or there must be some equal, like parity. Parity in all education. This was, this is a, this is a non, this should be a non-negotiable. So uh, so what this means is of course, you know, you have a lot of uh, valid criticisms are offered. So for example, some of the richer communities, you know, they went set up better institutions, things like that. But be that as it may, the only solution is is parity to all. So you cannot have a linguistic and religious minorities uh, have extra. So, so what happens is if you ha- do that uh, without any checks, right? There must be che- checks on that. So then you get into a situation where you have all these games, like you know, uh, sectarian games, which consume a lot of energy. So best is you just let all run uh, educational institutions on, on par with no uh, special uh, processes for anyone. So, uh, uh, let me also record you that I I've, 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 consistently been saying that Christian, uh, Catholic, Christian schools and colleges do a great job. I'm not trying to bring them down. I'm just trying to give the same, uh, autonomy to all, right. So to all, uh, groups or sections, uh, you know, of society. So that was core one. Uh, so that that's, that is without that, I think what happens is institutions, a good institutions are the centers of uh action they turn into centers of thought and action so if you if, if you don't have those institutions then you don't have like a center of thought and action so just dispersed and you don't really the communities that don't have it they, you know they don't have a proper uh, uh, uh they're not uh, able to uh, project themselves project their aspirations properly uh, it's a it's a it's a different matter if all of them don't or oppressed or, or all of them are completely free so it's all in or all out it's a different matter if some are or have a higher uh qualitative right so that was that was the core one the core two was another a major thing that i saw during uh upa was a sectarian budgeting so you should you should you should never like divide the budget into you know like i'm gonna give for minority welfare i'm gonna give this many crores or, or for this group, I'm going to have separate scholarship funds. That just destroys the uh, concept of a common citizenship. So, uh, so that was a major thing. I saw a lot of effort being put into this, this sub budgeting and things like that. So, uh, this doesn't mean that uh, you know you can't spend at all uh, for some elements that uh, are only uh, uh, of interest to a particular group. You you can spend. For example, if you are, if there's a uh, maintenance of a particular religious monument that's of a particular group so only that group has interest in maintaining that's right so you can spend on that so it's, but if it's like education or if it's like a, um, a chance to go uh, to our loans like loans uh, business loans so everybody's interested in business loans right all it is in those areas that you cannot have sex uh, you know a, a sectarian budgeting so i i think that's not a right thing to do so you have a lot of uh, so that was a, that was a quote and scholarships i've documented these scholarships so they're the uh, scholarship regimes uh, the third one is is very important is the core three which is a quotas that aren't monitored so this is the the central the central uh, issue of india so when you talk about equity equity means what a share right So, okay, let's agree. So, India is actually a post-equity. So, in in general, we have equity. Except for the uh, unreserved cash, right? So, uh, every group gets its piece, isn't it? So, SE gets its piece, ST, OBC, uh, and now EWS. Can we
0: say that post-EWS that every group doesn't get its piece now?
1: Yeah, post EWS, every group does get its piece, right? So there's no pe- there's no group that ha- doesn't have a quota, except in, except in states that have not notified EWS. For example, Tamil Nadu, right? We'll come to that. So in in places where EWS is there, every group gets its share. But here's the here's the thing: the groups themselves are, are not monitored. So this is a huge issue. So the you you pack like a uh, fifty or sixty uh, disparate uh, casts a group into a group right and then you just give a share to that group without monitoring how each component is performing so this was a very critical thing that they know about and another thing that i found that nobody was really talking about it uh that that was quite a little bit mischievous i think Uh, and i kept pushing that on my blog but in the public nobody (laughs) see if you how does, a, how does a, group, a cast or a class become a member of a group based on some parameters right so we, I'm, we don't have to oppose two reservations to ask this question the question is okay uh, let's see let's see how each group is performing inside this omnibus category so what happens is uh, if you don't measure if you don't measure then what happens is the winning groups inside of those groups right the ones that are getting far greater than their pro rata share so they will form a coalition, right? And they will prevent monitoring of that group. I hope I'm making sense. So if you have a group that has disparate cast, and like let's say, twenty uh, percent of that group is taking eighty percent of the benefits, so they will form a, a tight coalition. So to prevent uh, the the group from coming out. So to address this, the only solution was a judicial uh, review, judicial scrutiny, right? So. Uh, I don't think our courts have done have done a great job there. So we don't have uh, they're, they're quite okay with the preventing new, for example, the Maratha quota and all this. So they but they don't insist on scrutinizing or or, uh, or coming up with a proper review or data requirements for uh, for this. Th- this is causing endless endless strife across the country, uh, whether it's you know the status, you know whether it's SC status or ST status or The the central issue is the components aren't monitored and that's a real social injustice too. So if you happen to be a group, right? Who's backward, but who's not big enough to really make an impact on the street, okay? And if you happen to be placed in a group that includes much more powerful people, much more powerful groups, right? Then you're finished because you will not be able to get your voice out. Uh, and there's no one who will insist on reviewing this the list so that your uh, situation is bubbles up to the bo- bubbles up to the top. So in so without monitoring social justice leads to social injustice because the open category you know you just you they're out right So they 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 don't have a quota so you can forget about them. So what we're talking about is those who are in the social justice categories, are they benefiting? So without data, there's no way to find it, and uh, that was not being discussed at all. And in 2007, in the, the so-called Takur case, which was the um, OBC quota, they had, uh, the just the honourable justices had said that you know maybe in five or ten years we will ask for data, <laughs> and that that time has come and gone, and there is no real national uh, data requirements or monitoring requirements, audit of these lists. And I, I, I am willing to bet that more than uh, 80%, 70 to 80% of the political activity and uh, intrigues are, are linked to this. Uh, so that was core three. So it's data, insights. So, uh, let, let me add one more thing. The opponents, they're okay. They're quite, uh, they're, they're quite happy if you're comp- against reservation. All right? But they really get mad if you're for reservation but with data. So that's that's one thing you know uh, I, I noticed. so if you're against reservation, you know it's really not a very tenable situation because you have the SCST reservations already in the Constitution, and you cannot have a step function where you know people who are close to but not uh, uh you know in that sc uh, in, in the, those lists that they get nothing. so you can't have a step function you know what I'm saying so you so you, a complete abolition is is really not on the cards. At least now, but but that should be the goal, right? What what is really mattering is the the categories that are not being monitored. That if 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 left unmonitored, would result in injustice to the groups that are not being represented. So that was that was core three, and uh, a core four was uh, temple temple controls. Right, this is a very uh, controversial topic, but I my, I think my views are fairly well formed on this. So. Um, The insight is this, right? So, temples, uh, who controls the temples? All right. (laughs) So, if a board that is elected by a secular population controls the temples, I think that's a problem. All right. So, you have an electorate that is secular, that all all religions vote, and all anti-religions or anti-Hindu religions also vote on secular issues. Okay. So, it could be inflation... So these are these are just like other issues, but they win and form a government, and then they get the temples for free. I think that, that's 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 not a right model. So uh, if the government has to control the temples, then we have to have come up with a different model where only the Hindu uh, or the the temple goers within the Hindus uh, only their vote counts. Right. So this is this is one thing. Second, there are other models, but I I thought the current more the current situation where you know everybody. Uh, votes on secular issues so it's not going to it's not right because uh you know you could have a bad economy or you could have uh uh you know some corruption scandals and then uh so then a political change right and that that political change could result results in a temple change which is is immune from those type of uh, secular issues um so that was of course that was the my thing and uh there are other models which we can debate, but I think the uh, the climate for debate is free speech, and I don't see any. Uh, I'm not saying I'm right. It's just a model that I have, and I think others should should come in and you know they may propose a so better. They model. will agree
0: with everything you have said till now, and then the requirement for free speech they will disagree because the moment you agree on the principle of free speeches, it means you have to give leeway to things you don't like to hear also, and. See, free speech is not about what you want to say. It's all always about what you don't want to say or hear. And that's the core principle behind free speech. And the biggest problem with India and the discourse on, I mean, there are some free speech supporters in India. That includes uh, Anand Ranganathan, myself, uh, our common friend Nikhil Mehra and, men, and a few others. And you have also spoken in favor of free speech. Uh, Abhijit talked about it, Abhas uh, Malad- uh, Maladiyar talks about it and a few others do. But then every time free the bogey of free speech is raised is because if you say free speech, then you know something about the, the Dravidian politics and the nasty, absolute nasty utterances that you have to hear from the Dravidian politics yes, corner, that also is there. Yeah. right?
1: So, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll just finish the two more core items. Okay. Hmm. And uh, the core five, was religious practices. So I was rather big on that On my in my English blogging days. So I, I was seeing a lot of unnecessary intrusions and uh, attacks on certain uh, events that are part of the cultural landscape, right? So uh, Jallikattu was one of them. So I was, contrary to what the, these Dravidians uh, are saying, I was one of the earliest opponents of the Jallikattu ban. So I've written articles and articles on on that. Even before these guys even knew knew what the issue was, so I found that you know it's a bull taming sport that's uh, that's very popular and it's part of it's integrated to the culture. I don't see a major uh, reason for the ban. And similarly, I saw a lot of attacks on uh, Dahi Handi, which was a uh, Mumbai. Mumbai is very uh, famous uh, festival. So uh, and various other uh, things like you know I I even uh, fought for the uh, the se- the sable cutter which is a uh, uh, which is like like a cockfighting uh, event that takes place in um, northern Tamil Nadu and also uh, Andhra, all right. So they were trying to. I I don't think that that those things need to be banned for uh, their they they are cultural uh, artifacts of our people. So uh, so that was five was a, a, a preservation of essential practices or existing practices. So unless there's a huge public nuisance or a huge public problem that affects non-participants, all right, non-participants. So if Jalikatu, for example, affected non-participants, then we have a problem. But if it's a, if it's if participants are getting injured, or then it's not a problem because the risk is known. So these things can be like uh, easily handled. So uh, without a ban. So uh, what happens is uh, with the, along with the ban calls, they have a like a string of uh, these media uh, outlets uh, spreading uh, infamy and defamation of the practice itself. Like you know, I, so that, that it accompanies. So it's not just a ban, but the ban plus the, the media uh, uh, defamation of those practices. So core Fire was states should not make any laws for to to do this unless there's a public uh, nuisance or public uh, problem for non-participants. So that was core So fire. basically, so subject core six, to the not, harm
0: principle. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Harm for not towards non-participants. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah the six was a six is still a controversial thing but i I think i stand by it it's basically uh the some you see the cow I, I observed the the cow the cow uh, has a very sacred uh, uh totem the totem is like a symbol so uh in our culture all right so this this is not really uh so any if any state wants to make a law to somehow privilege that that particular uh, <laughs> cow and uh, the animal. Uh, over other animals, I think it should be, it should be allowed, right? So if you, if a state wants to do it, they should they should be able to do it. If the state doesn't want to do it, they, they should just, you know, not do it. So, so you can't have a defamation uh, campaign or any, uh, any sort of right to not, uh, to have, to not have this uh, a protection. And in fact, it's in the directive principles, I think. So So my
0: question to you on this is, is it just a cow or an animal in general?
1: Yeah, see, uh, let's say tomorrow, of to uh, risk...
0: tomorrow, one state in India wants to do it for the pig.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think they think there's, I mean, it's uh, if, it, if it is, it could happen, in, right? They really want what if some state, it yeah, happen. If they want... it could happen yeah. uh, that so they the say pig slaughter is also of... planned. Yeah, I think they should be allowed to do it. I think it should be, it's not, it's, they should be allowed to do it only because of of the special status that the cow enjoys, right? So that's, that's the only reason here. That's why we're talking about this. That, and if you look at the sentiment of this, it's it's got a huge potential for uh, violence, as we have seen. So if, if a state wants to do something and the people of the state want to do something, uh, and then it's not really possible, then you, know, you get a lot of these uh, violent incidents. So, so those states who want to do it should be allowed to do it. But if other states w- don't want to do it, uh, I think they should be... But, but in India, anyways,
0: uh, cow slaughter laws are based on the state, right? Many states allow it and many states, most states don't allow it, right? Maharashtra amended, uh, like uh, I remember in the, not this uh, uh, government, the previous Fadnavis government in their first term, when Fadnavis was the chief minister, not the deputy chief minister, they had added a few particular species in the already existing law. So it's always there. So many yeah, states, yeah, 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 in correct. that sense, uh, the, the current law in India is exactly what you
1: want. Different states do correct, their different correct, things. Correct. Yes, 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 yes. Correct. What I was seeing was a campaign to not, to prevent states from having this power to protect a particular... Uh, like, campaigns uh, particular can always right
0: exist, right? But the state is not bound by campaigns, right? I mean, the state is bound true, true. by uh, by the legislative
1: process. True. In any case, in any case, the core six was uh, is just there. It's not a huge thing because uh, there's it's one thing to have uh the, the welfare, but also the, the also mechanics of actually how the slaughters happen and the way they're transported and way they are uh, you know actually slaughtered. So. So I've, I've done a lot of research on those topics, which is a little unpleasant to talk about. No, but, uh, I have very strong this. views on halal
0: and kosher laws. I believe India should have secure slaughter laws. I so, believe halal is illegal. Correct. My, I think halal is a direct violation of the SCST Act. Okay.
1: I haven't thought like that. Uh, so that, well, that think, right. Complex, the no?
0: basic requirement for halal is that only a Muslim can slaughter. That means it cannot hire a Dalit. So that means it's in a violation of the SCST Act.
1: Okay. Yeah, so that was the core uh, six agenda. Now, uh, now we back to the uh, free speech. So, so the uh, um, here here's the thing. So, as we have, so we both are talking about ideas, right? So you have you have some you put some ideas on the table, perfectly valid. Now, I may not agree with them, or I, I have not been educated enough to disagree with you uh, intelligently, right? So only by interacting, we we have we can do this. Now, I see this in our circle. Okay. But outside of the circle, it's just not there at all, at all. So it's just people just echoing what's, what is fashionable and they want to be agreeable. The one person wants to be more agreeable than the other person. Absolutely. So the the, the dissent is based on how far you agree <laughs> or how, how creatively you agree with it. Right? Yeah. So no, now now I have, I've had this long uh, thing, uh, Twitter thing with Nickel, our common friend. So on free speech, whenever he puts free speech, I, I interject. Like, what do you think of this? Now here's here's the thing. Now first of all, India is not having free speech. We, we have Never had it. Never had it. Other than that one, six
0: month period before the Constitutional Assembly so, did. Correct.
1: So so we have this uh live wire acts 153, 295, 504, and all these. So essentially what, what we're discussing here is should we not be protected by those laws? <laughs> or rather can we have free speech for, uh, you know, for others, but not for us? Because uh, let me explain. uh, Let's say if I say something about a a protected uh, person or a protected community, you know, I'll be booked immediately. Okay. But if on the other, if it's the reverse, then it's it's not going to be uh, as much. So we we have asymmetric free speech laws. So which is, which is my main issue. Uh, So uh, if... If you have have free speech laws, it should be like nobody says anything about any religion. All right? How how, how would that be? (laughs) So so I say... It would be North Korea. Nobody says anything derogatory. Or uh, nobody launches a campaign of uh, defamation and obscenity against any other religion. What do you think of that? That's something we could work with.
0: I don't. I believe religion
1: should be mocked. So Yeah. So what happens is when religion should be mocked, you're going to have to... uh, add the thing that all should have the freedom to do it so it's all in all in or all out so you can't have a case where you know one one uh, if i get picked up for something that other person will not do in the reverse so then you have asymmetric free speech so the person who has more free speech is going to be ruling over the person who has less free speech am i right so so a person who's for example uh, let me give you an example so free speech should allow all types of speech, right. I should be allowed to use metaphors, right? I can say work like a he works like an ox without being said, hey, look, he called us an animal he, he insulted us as an animal, right. So I said work like an ox. He into, insulted us as an animal like that was a castrated animal. <laughs> so people get crazy on that. So so I have if I should be able to use these figures of speech metaphors, uh, and let's say you can speak, but don't use metaphor, don't use these metaphors. Don't be funny, and don't you know don't try to use uh, stories or parables, or don't try to use uh, you know uh, uh, proverbs. Just, just say what you want to say, and don't keep saying it. Just say it once. Like you can you can criticize or you can critic, but don't crusade, right? How's that? How does that look? So that so free speech means I should be allowed the same level of speech that my opponents are making. So that's that's really the bottom line, right? So the opponents are able to use all of these figures of speeches, all of these uh, and funny incidents and abuse. So I should be able to, I should be allowed to use that too. So, however, that is not the case in many states, right? So if you are, especially in my state, so, uh, my speech. So I talked so much about core. I made, I made a, made a few mistakes, right? I made a, made a few factual mistakes in, um, in my, whatever I was talking to you. It's a live stream. I'm certain that I will not be in trouble. Uh, if I speak about pan india issues uh, I make some mistakes. But if I speak about some issues in, in the in Tamil, there's a high chance that you know I, I'll be picked up or I'll be uh, you know mocked or I'll be uh, a huge number of people who descend and say, oh, this guy's doing spreading fake news. So saying forty 45, half for 40 forty48 is not fake news, but it's not accurate, right? If it's forty eight percent and I say half, is that is that fake news? No. So we need a lot of discerning. And it's all about the people who are uh, able to discern. Like, what is the intent? Why are we like trying to control speech? So this is one thing. Second is there is a qualitative difference in speech. So uh, that's a. There was a, a professor in, from Wake Forest. I forgot his name. So he had a good uh, uh, definition of a certain type, certain type of speech that is unique, uh, and is you know that is that doesn't really need that. Been, we need to look deeper into it. It's a certain type of speech. Designed to demonize, spread canards, and to dehumanize an identified group, okay, and it's it go, it, it's like it's not just one statement. It's it's part of a larger campaign to dehumanize a particular identifiable group. All right, so and it goes on and on and on. So that type of speech is does not deserve the free speech protection. So if you look at, uh, I'm just here making a, a thing here with the. Uh, if you've heard of the the magazine, Der Strummer, which was a German uh, magazine mm-hmm. during uh, the pre-Nazi years. So, so the editor of that was uh, Julius Streicher. So this is a classic free speech example uh, that people are, you know debate over this. So from the 20s, like 24, I think, till the end of the war, issue after issue, he uh, drove into the German people using very uh, good uh, caricatures, he had a cartoon as Ruprecht, so he was Phipps It was his name. So the cartoons that uh, came on Dur's tumor, which had good circulation, and it was pasted all over uh, German towns. So it slowly changed uh, because it was so graphic and was so crazy and was so it was so well done. The the pictures were highly well produced, like the cartoons uh, demonizing and blaming them for all ills, and they would take a like a fact and turn it into a representative fact. So, for example, if you if uh, if a particular Jewish man was caught, uh, you know, some 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 crime, committing a crime of theft or something, they would say he would. They would immediately turn it into a representative of that group. Okay, so one uh, fact turned into a representative fact of that of a group, and it goes on and on. So the the cartoons, the the crazy cannot. So is that free speech? So if if that is free speech, and if it, if it continues uh, a campaign, so do we have mechanisms to detect? Oh, this is different. This is not. A normal, so uh, so that is that is really what he calls anti-equality speech. All right, so anti-equality speech, which means it it targets a group and denies them the the equality like the, that other groups have. Right, because by by constant uh, dehumanization of using these uh, speech and methods uh, and speech and action, so those are also two different. Uh, uh, things but are very very interlinked you know if you speech itself a uh, very uh, violent speech itself is a form of action just like a, a, a verbal uh, assault right a verbal assault versus an actual physical assault so if, if somebody comes up to you and screams in your faces a face an abuse right some let's say <laughs> some some abuse about your mother or whatever how do you deal with that so is, is, he didn't really hit you. I mean, you, you can just walk away, but it has an impact, right? So it's speech, but also has an impact. So the action is what, how it's impacted you is the action. So, uh, so yeah, so that is, that type of speech is, I, I saw, I saw, it's not just a lot, but it's pervasive in the Tamil uh, milieu. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I interacted with accounts and it's, uh, it was everywhere. And uh, I've, the cartoons and the type of graphics that I would see were very well produced. So, uh, so there's something called a picture superiority effect. So this is, uh, so if you have a very nicely drawn picture, right? A very nicely and caricature, like very nice caricature, uh, of a thing. So that really embeds into a different part of your brain than just essay, like a speech or essay. Right? So uh, one of the red flags I watch out for when free speech is, uh, very uh inducing caricatures of certain groups uh, so that that's something that i've documented i have, I have a collection of maybe 250 of them <laughs> and and they're just being produced like every day so uh second thing was you know uh, i also saw that they were using this anti brahmin uh, caricatures and to to explain current problems like for example uh neat Right, neat is. I, I was actually. I wrote. I, I was against neat from the beginning because it's the same problem. I don't want to centralize all all admissions in one place. So what if that thing gets like compromised? And what if I have a, I'm a private college and I want to have my own private uh, way of selecting people in, in vision in view with my vision? For example, a CMC Velur, It's a Christian Medical College. It's an excellent college. So they had they had a particular vision of the type of uh, students they want, and now they are you know fit. Uh, uh, have to do this neat so so that so my my uh critique of need you can see is is at a level now if you look at the dravidian uh, cartoons or need so they have like graphic portion of, a picture of like a brahmin with uh, you know the tuft on the back right and the tuft in the shape of a stethoscope so i'll i'll probably share it uh, on my uh, tl uh. so it was seen as uh, a way of to oppress People on caste basis, which makes no sense, right? Because it need does not impact reservations or anything like that. So it was a very uh, so it was different type of discourse that I was seeing here, and the accompanying uh, material was very graphic, and it, and the speakers would would use this uh, use almost all events to uh, uh, communicate this type of speech uh, to radicalize the, the people and to dehumanize. So this was this is uh, one thing that I saw. Thirdly, uh, one thing I noticed in the Tamil sphere was, as the Brahmin influence goes down, you would expect the hatred and the, the, these materials also to go down, right? It but it was the opposite. So, so at the same time, when uh, some of the Dravidian accounts were celebrating that uh, tam- the Tamil Nadu assembly today has no Brahmins, okay, zero Brahmins, so this is the first time it's happened. Okay, so they were they were really celebrating this. And so you think that, okay, at this at this time, should they go easy or not? Right? Should they take it easy or not on this hate? So what would you expect as a, as a North Indian? So you would say, all right, so these guys are out of the picture. So what's the use bashing them, right? But the intensity increased after that. That just took me by surprise. So I thought, okay, fine. Now finally they have their government. So maybe they'll uh, let us be alone. So they would attack. Uh, using very vulgar and very uh, graphic cartoons, or of, of like some, whoever they find, so they they could be like a Brahmin commentator uh, on uh, on Twitter. So that person would be barraged with uh, various uh, abuses and cartoons, or they would twist some issue that is that has nothing to do with uh, the Brahmins into something uh, that was uh, a result of uh, the Brahmin conspiracy and things like that. So so this is so this is a very type of speech that is not really a free speech. Uh, that's that should not be free speech because the the uh, the way counter it is going to be difficult, right? So it, you know if this is big pushed like propaganda, right? So it's difficult to counter because to counter prop to develop counter propaganda you need even more free speech, right? So I ha- for example, if I'm countering the propaganda, so I need more free speech than the person who's doing the propaganda because I have to use the same tools, right? So uh, so by uh, Criminalizing or using these provisions against those who are countering the propaganda. So I think that's that's particularly uh, not done. And if there's one thing I want to take uh, uh, tell of my uh, my viewers that are outside of the state is so counter propaganda is like self defense. Okay, so you so there's a gratuitous and unprovoked attack on a particular group. And people like myself who are countering only that part of your government, I don't, I don't care about what, what schemes or what corruption. So I never tweet about those things. But if, if you are attacking a non-provoke and uh, a, on a group that is already, per your own admission, zero representation, right? So counter propaganda is a self-defense. So you cannot have a situation where self-defense is criminalized, right? So the, so that, so that, that's the bare minimum uh, free speech that we are uh, desiring over here. So, uh, that, that's, that's really what I was going with uh, Nick with Nickel <laughs> with all these. So, sure, I, would, I would put a, a cartoon which is very graphic and it would remind you of the Durst Tumor cartoons. Uh, for example, the octopus, the zoomorphism, which is to compare uh, your target group with some animal or some disgusting animal. So, it could be like a lizard. Uh, I've seen lizards, octopus. Uh, so, so fat, what is the solution many... in your
0: view? Stopping them? From doing it through more draconian laws, or making laws less draconian, so that there is no legal repercussions to counter them with equal ferocity. Correct.
1: Yeah, I want. I want uh, the uh, see. Uh, the, the ironic thing is this: so the the government right now ha- came into power riding on a huge uh, campaign, which uh, was completely speech. Uh, it, it was speeches after speeches. So, so they exercised their free speech, including the right to hate speech to the maximum, right? And that's how they got into power. So because uh, if you look at the demagogues or the speakers, so they've been speaking on YouTube and all these uh, uh, crazy conspiracy theories and uh, demonization and uh, spreading canards. And just generally uh, 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 they ride into power based on speech to a large part based on speech. There are other factors, but speech is a major part of uh, how they're coming in. Now, once they come into power, so the, you can't have a situation where uh, you, you prevent others from speaking. So you yourself are beneficiaries of free speech and, uh, uh, I don't, I, am not going to attack counter attack some other group. I'm not, I'm not uh, demanding for offensive speech. I'm demanding for a defensive counter propaganda, right? Which I need to be able to take down your propaganda, collate your material and continuously take down your propaganda so that the Tamil people see the other side of this. So, if you're going to uh, uh, stop that, then it's really not uh, using uh, these provisions of 153 and uh, disturbing uh, communal harmony or uh, public tranquility. These kind of a vague. Uh, so, if somebody picks you up for disturbing public tranquility, what, do you, what is your defense? There is no, there is no. Nothing. like re- There's nothing. This is like the Nehruvian reasonable
0: restrictions, right? How do you define it? Yes. You don't know. And uh, yes. you know, Actually, you know yeah. the fact, right? Nehru did not like the word reasonable added. He wanted restrictions, not reasonable. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, James Lindsay, uh, who's, I'm a big fan of him. So he was saying about the Chinese, uh, the Maoist part. So they would just pick up people at random and they would accuse them of. Plotting against the Chinese people, yeah. How on earth are you going to uh, defend yourself from that kind of accusation? And then they would like, you know, grab you, and then they'll say, uh, "Why, you know, the, the 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 crime is not narrowly defined that you can defend yourself." So, did I do I disc, disturb public tranquility, or does free speech disturb public tranquility? In that case, then that, that is not really a tranquility in the first place. It's it's imposed if speech. Uh, of a certain type which is in not which is decent and logical if it disturbs public tranquility then you have to question what kind of public tranquility is it's, is there in the, in the first place right right that's so it could just be on the surface and the things could be boiling below right so that's a dangerous thing so free speech allows you to just talk about everything so that you don't have the uh, calm on the outer and uh, hardcore on the inner so yeah so what i'm asking for is uh, free speech for anyone. Uh, and, uh, if it's a, and it, can, it should not be cast based or anything like that. So the same amount of speech, uh, that uh, same quality of speech, using idioms, using the same metaphors, using the same proverbs, or, uh, you know, the fun, funny, funny takes or mocking or that others are doing. So we should also be able to allow to do that in the counter uh, counter speech. So this is something that's uh, now negotiable. And, uh, I fear that you know that that part is really uh, we are losing that. So you can see how far I've come right. So I've come from my blogging days where we had very decent like I still remember my opponents from those days you know um, uh, We were like uh, very decent. So now from there now I'm coming to a place where uh, I'm, I'm speaking about Durst turmer and the, the these uh, very ugly and dark uh, communications. So that's that sort of sums sums up my uh, journey, uh, my social media journey. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, this is at this juncture we have to we have to have some very uh, crucial uh, rules that these one fifty these speech laws should not should should not be there at all. So uh, but this, they could still pick you up on some other charges. But I think those can't work uh, on scale. So but still, uh, free speech laws all in or all out. All in means there should be neutral national level body outside of this that's that's a pipe dream that would prevent all derogatory uh, uh, demonization like all, all kinds of abuse so that could have a very uh, uh, i don't like that because uh, you know it could be like that's
0: uh, best uh, of luck trying that north korea has that <laughs> yeah.
1: so so other option is just just let everyone just let everyone talk i i want to debate with you i don't want to debate with the police <laughs> That's that's my thing. <laughs> so if you have something to talk to me, and if I've made a mistake, you come and correct me. Or if I've exaggerated, or if I mocked you, you mock me back. So you you know you can't involve the law, the police, or the you know the in, in the picture unless there's there's some very specific crime and very specific hurt that are that somebody has uh, incurred. Like you know, we I think we know what those are, right? So we are reasonable people. Uh, again, reasonable. <laughs> So uh, that's a reasonable man. So the the re- reasonable man, and the prudent man. So that's those are concepts that are basically uh, in uh, English common law. So uh, perhaps that's why Nehru didn't <laughs> didn't think that there was a reasonable man uh, standard. So would a reasonable man think X person who went to jail had done something, uh, had spoken something bad? Uh, I would. I'm a reasonable man. I say no. But you know they'll they could bring ten reasonable men who would say, oh, you no, know, he called us. Uh, he abuses. Exactly. So, so it's uh yeah, yeah it's which tough, is why the state should never
0: be given so much power. But hey, Indians don't understand that concept. Indians think I, sh- you should be jailed if you hurt my sentiments, and then the other person thinks you should be jailed if you hurt my sentiments. So basically, what every Indian should go to jail and live happily ever after. Everybody should I think be people jailed. People don't
1: really uh, understand. Like uh, they don't think through speaking. Speaking is just not. I mean, I, I say this for everyone. Like, I don't, I don't mind. I, I, I'm not saying that I like the opponents going to jail. No, like nobody should. If nobody just should speak and let them speak. Like, I, I, you know, recently I was talking to somebody and they said, "Okay, well, our our boys in jail for so many months." And you, why you? I, I don't like that. I don't support that. So why? What makes you think I support putting other people in jail for speaking? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that that's really uh, my journey. And uh, now,
0: now you have right. lost a lot of your followers who thought
1: hey, he wanted two ninety five and one fifty three to stay. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, yeah, see, ninety five. We can have an entirely new uh, debate on this because the potential for private violence is there. So how uh, and the investments that's required to prevent that and prosecute uh, the violence that might follow. So we can have a separate discussion on that. But I, 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 my, my, my thing is I prefer. Uh, all out yeah, the potential for private
0: all... violence argument is honestly statistically a straw man yeah you know what correct, right correct. now uh, i mean and i know which particular insinuation it's made every time it's a statistical straw man if you look at uh, it statistically it is not uh, it is an aberration even in the larger scale of things and uh, this is my problem with such arguments the uh you know tomorrow this is what people say right oh we should ban guns uh, okay but what if they use knives then you ban knives then what <laughs> kind of knives are you going to ban i always ask these yeah. people i mean it's 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 a statistical so which is why i say the potential for strawman argument is uh, not true but uh we have to wrap up i know you have to go so i'll ask you there were three questions i'll refigure them and make them relevant to our discussion. So this is very interesting. What can the folks from the North learn from the South? I love this question. This is a really good question. Yes, yes. And vice versa was the follow-up. And what can folks of the South learn from the North? Okay.
1: This is my private, uh, my personal uh, view is from the North, I think what we can learn is a a sense of Shatra, to be honest. I have admired that uh, in the general maybe because of the exposure to all the wars and hmm. all the fighting i think i sense, a sense that's i see like they, they don't like talk beyond a point <laughs> like here's the time <laughs> all right we've spoken enough <laughs> so here with this explosion of talk we churn things like over and over and again over and again <laughs> and it's really there's really no action so that's I'll, i that's something i i'll, I'll you know, there's, there's some ferocity and some things to be uh, admired there, and it's the hospitality. I mean, we're all. I'm not saying we are not south they're not Shatra or hospitality, but I just like something I noticed. But I uh, think
0: southern Indians, on average, are a little more civilized. I find them to be more civilized, more more yeah, I mean, you know no, law no, abiding, no. more clean in that sense. They're just more civilized. They have more civic sense.
1: Maybe yes. And what what north should uh, learn from south is. Uh, I'm going to traverse that question. What should be should we not <laughs> learn from? Is is to, you have to like one thing is to be very wary of when when you see things that are like you know you find something unpleasant, right? When you find something that's really really ugly and uh, you, you see start seeing material like that come come into your societies, like uh, uh, particularly dehumanizing or baiting or of a particular group. I, I don't think that type of material is was prevalent. See, see, there's a difference, right? So Ambedkar was was quite hard, but you know he had a like vision. he achieved equity for, for a group. He was obviously. hard on
0: everyone, man. He did not spare Islam and he was either. Hard,
1: and he was hard on every. He was hard on everyone. And once he achieved equity, he he found peace, right? He he said, okay, look, look there's no point like uh, you know, uh, uh, or fighting any longer. I, probably, good. so let's you know he converted to Buddhism, right? So that was like a, a peaceful a piecing. A peaceful event, right? So, so let's now we are at peace. So we have achieved. So he's a great man. So he. That's why. I, besides, he. Uh, I can take. Uh, if Ambedkar's score uh, Ambedkar uh, excoriates uh, the upper caste, right? So he has some some uh, standing to do that because it's you now it, it was pretty bad. Uh, what uh, what we have done uh, in the society? Yeah. So. Uh, so, person from uh, the oppressed, uh, oppressed most groups when they launch attack on you, even if it's ad hominem and, and hard, so you can sort of like take it. But the Dravidian is not like that. So it's the other upper caste who are even more well learned out, like financially and land. So they mount the attacks. So that so that's something else. So that's something different, right? So so the qualitatively it's it's, it's not the same. So one is coming from uh, you know a sense of. Uh, uh, deprivation so if if you, if in theory if the depri- deprivation was addressed then you know that that would calm them at least that's that that, that you can understand But if it's not coming from a, a place of uh, deprivation it's coming from a place of uh, th- there's really no real grievance right uh, the, the, we have like the brahmins like the tamil brahmins haven't really don't ha- never had that kind of power to deprive the uh, the other wealthier uh, the non Brahmins, so uh, so this, that is a different type of a critique so that's what I, I was I was I keep saying so there, there's a difference You're, even in the speech when when you punch up right when you punch up when you hit the people b- below above you so that's a punch-up free speech the same thing when you punch down when you hit the people that below you that's not the same thing so this type of a discerning uh, attitude uh, that we should we should develop so I hope uh, like you know the other other states. Uh, uh, you know this they, they be wary of these type of uh uh very creative and very uh the, especially the cartoons and the propaganda material a uh, very high production quality uh when you start seeing them in your societies uh just just, just be just be careful because it you know it, it will can have an impact and it it will change you this is the uh, lesson we've learned from durst we learned from uh, uh, rtlm at the rwanda radio station so if, if some negative messaging against a group keeps uh, keeps uh, uh, keeps you know uh, coming uh, in more and more creative ways, and it's uh, and it's explaining all current events uh, along that, so I think that's not a good place for the country to be in. So uh, so that's that's the thing. Uh, besides, I I totally agree with other. This is not. I don't want to say that this is prevalent or, or or everybody has it, but enough in in, in the in the Tamil, uh Social media that I've been uh, have this attitude uh, that they would either they would not condo they would not really condemn these type of material they would they would say okay why do you why do you bother you're not being harmed or or something like that so uh, so there's a sort of a disinterest or in this at at best uh, or they would be actively uh, promoting it or they would you know chuckle they they would have a laugh at you know. uh, at these type of materials. So I don't think that's that's really not a proper uh, society. And it's very odd in the world. We don't want to be the odd man out, right? I don't see this in any other uh, society. The, the, the type of cartoons that I put out, and the type of uh, speeches that I, that I uh, put, uh, put clippings, I don't think there's any other uh, society in the world that does it. So uh, it's, it's just like, because it's within uh, the Tamil sphere, it's not seen outside. So yeah, again, I repeat the same uh, appeal to the government of Tamil Nadu. So you know you you have a great mandate. So you, there's really no Brahmin conspiracy or to bring you down or whatever. So you can just like ignore some of the some of the material coming from people who are, who have no representation. So which which you yourself are saying that there's no representation, not just in MLA but other uh, bodies, maybe even government. So why do you care if some stray person makes some remark? So you should just ignore it and serve the people. And uh, you can easily control uh, this hate speech by clearly communicating to these people who are who are uh, producing these material. Like, hey guys, you got to stop. So you uh, you can. That's the way that you know. That's good for them also. They can continue to rule uh, based on their thing and not have this uh, 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 stigma on them that you know they are engaging in this type of. Uh, promotion or protection yeah. of this type of a speech so bef-
0: before we wrap it up because we've already reached an hour mark and i know you had to go so yes, what yes. are the primary dravidian sources in dravidian literature that one needs to read to understand uh the kind of bile that has been published over there can you cite a few examples
1: okay okay so for the benefit okay. of
0: the viewers so
1: again i'm not an expert but i've read enough from the uh, uh, in the especially during COVID, so uh, let me just uh, tell you that. Uh, and, and they have to
0: be available in a form of English or uh, English translation at least. Oh, tough,
1: <laughs> tough. It's very tough. Tough. So because, Not available. Yeah, no. Because uh, there is a there is one one book, uh, uh, collected works of uh, Periyar. I think that's that's available in English. There are there are some other books. MSS in book is there. Uh, but the, that's the primary material the primary material is is, go, is always in tamil so that's so that is the what i consider the primary material is the, the writings in their official organs like kudiyaras which was their uh, it's, it's called roughly republic so that so there's uh, recently some some good souls had put out the entire dump like from 1920s 22 to 1939 i think or maybe even more <laughs> so Yeah, it has, the PDFs are available in Tamil. So you can read, you can read those materials. And then you have a very good book in English, since you asked, is uh, Politics of Social Conflict in South India by Eugene F. Irshik. Okay. Politics of Social Conflict in South India by Eugene F. Irshik. So that's, that's a really good book. And uh, to get started with, how how this all came about, like, uh, so that's, that's really a nice book uh, in English. the, the other uh, sources are uh, biographies and collections of speeches like you have uh, uh, Ani muttu who was a biographer of uh, of periyar so he has published a very good book so there are three six volumes i think uh, three or six uh, six volumes but uh, three uh, three parts uh, two parts each so six so, so that that that's a that's a good uh, so that so those are the primary sources. So the other sources are sort of like draw from these primary primary sources, uh, primary material. So so the actual publications I consider to be the primary sources. Um, yeah, and uh, probably the writings of uh, some of the editors of Vidudalai, which is another one of the uh, official outlets. Uh, Kutusi Gurusami was one of the editor. So uh, you have to read those articles. It's just uh, dripping with uh, hatred. Uh, so, uh, and it's very targeted. So, those are the, those are the primary primary sources. And based on them, yeah, you have a lot of are th- th- tons of books. There are like, if you look at the book publishing industry, I, I, I'm not even sure like any other state or uh, put together can come to the scale of uh, the Tamil uh, book publishing. <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but generally the book fairs here are so huge and, and ginormous. So you have a lot of uh, material uh, available on, on this, but uh, but those aren't the primary uh, sources. And also, then you have the speeches, uh, uh, the speeches of these uh, very well trained and really, uh, sort of admire some of them, like Subha Vire So he was what He's what he would not be known outside, but he's he's a great speaker. I mean, even though he speaks against me and my culture and my group, and he. But I I sort of see how he's like how he's able to work the crowd using uh, by and the delivery mechanism and uh, the how you know so the very well trained and very passionate and, and well read so I, 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 so there is something to be said about that right so uh, yeah yeah unfortunately it's not in English probably by design maybe by design because it's we are this is essentially a, a closed so this is for Tamil speaking people. Right to uh, to uh, find some uh, expression, so uh, they don't really want outside, uh, uh, you know, interest maybe. Uh, but yeah, very little have been translated. So I guess it's time for a book, Vivek. Time for a book
0: on uh, you know what is actually written in uh, Tamil literature, and maybe somebody should uh, spill the beans for the rest of the country. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, if. Again, I appeal. You can—they you know, can easily tone it down. Like, just tone it down and reach out. It's like, look, we—we we also don't agree this this type of uh, demonization and continued production of this literature and these social media accounts who most vulgar, most vulgar, and uh, you know, repetition of uh, obscene uh, tropes. So, unfortunately, I, I don't see that stopping. And uh, yeah, I think eventually more and more of us will have to read the original material and try to make sense of it. And explain it. Uh, I, I don't think it'll withstand uh, free speech because the outside world, uh, maybe maybe not India, but certainly the West, recognizes a certain type of speech thanks to the you uh, know uh, anti-Semitic uh, experience. So uh, so they have to be very careful. To, you know, this is the chance to like they have the mandate. So this is the chance for them to like make peace and come out of this rather than accelerating the production of such material. Yeah, as for, way, me, as for me, I'm going to take a break. Yeah, as for me, I'm going to take a break now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe a couple uh, of months. Um, yeah. I just have too much uh, stress over the past few weeks. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I understand. But I'm glad you came. I'm glad you're here. And keep keep uh, raising your voice. I know you deserve a Yeah, I'll be back. Everybody we does. can talk about hey.
1: some, any one of these issues in detail, I'd Like, Thanks for the platform. Certainly, people like you are going to be the key because the platforms are very rare and people who are committed to free speech and letting uh, other viewpoints on so i don't think a you know left wing platform would be as open as i can speak openly so uh, yeah. yeah thanks i think you I, I think your contribution you and others who have these type of platforms are going to be uh, very very important for india i think going forward
0: no i've always enjoyed reading you you know, I like your re- writing style also. I, I like the way you've always made your point. You're always respectful. This is something I've always admired about you. I wish I could learn a little bit from you in that. I swear a lot. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, but, uh, but I- I've always admired you and I respect the fact that you believe in discourse. You, you believe in civilized yes. discourse. I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, once again, Thanks. thank you very much for finally agreeing to come after six pleasure, and pleasure, years. Pleasure. Pleasure.
1: <laughs> Pleasure being in a show, Patel. All right. it again. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. We'll wrap it up. So, in the description of the podcast, you'll see Vivek's social media uh, details. You can go and follow him on social media. And uh, as I always say, guys, this this podcast the nature the heterodox nature of this podcast is designed because it is supported by members only so if you believe in that idea of heterodoxy and letting people speak their mind and freedom of expression keep supporting this podcast if you become a member it supports my heterodoxy i don't have to go and look for advertisements so please become a member whether on youtube patreon or fanmo it doesn't matter you also get members only content if not that at least the least you can do is leave a rating or if you're an audio listener or on youtube like and subscribe to the channel i'll see you guys next time take care